0: Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filla, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team that have now lost two on the bounce to teams battling relegation. We'll get to that pitiful 1-0 defeat to Watford in a moment. Plus, Frankie will bravely attempt to take my mind off the result with today's spicy question. But before we do that, it's time I check in on him. Frankie, how are you?
1: uh yeah uh kind of in uh in recovery a little bit from <laughs> from what we've just witnessed i mean i'll, I'll try and talk about I'll, I'll try and raise the spirit somehow at the start how do we do that uh i watched terminator it was on itv the last couple of nights yeah that was decent if you could go back in time what would you do i'd probably tell myself not to watch that game <laughs> i'd probably just i'd probably go back about six hours and walk into my lounge and look at myself and go don't just don't don't bother don't bother watching." yeah this
0: yeah i i think i think I'd maybe go back further and um what how many games is it we haven't won now it's been a it feel it feel it feels longer than it probably has been but um yeah. but yeah i'd probably i probably go to the um the everton game put myself in an induced coma right after that win yeah and then uh, and then and then wake up hopefully for the for the for the game against brighton uh which we will now try and win
1: i'd probably go back to nineteen eighty two just to just to get the you know just to go to Rotterdam and all that, and then oh, yeah, sure. Probably just tell all the fans like, believe me, everybody, this is as good as it's going to get. <laughs> like, <laughs> make the most of this. Just imagine, yeah.
0: I mean, those fans in '82 must have think, bloody hell, how how high is our ceiling? What can we do now? <laughs> can, can we do a forest and win us again next year? But yeah,
1: definitely not getting relegated within three years, which actually happened.
0: Yeah, um, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I mean, exactly. This is this is a thing about football. It's it's peaks and troughs, and at the moment we're in a trough. It's always and, troughs. Um, it's always it's, troughs. It, it's <laughs> always troughs. And, and, and as we said previously, it's always more difficult to do this podcast on the on the back of a defeat. But and we'll talk about this. We'll talk about the game now. Let's, let's just let's just you know we're just we're just killing time here. Uh, we've mm. just gotta, we just got to we just got to step into it like pulling off a plaster. We said last week that the defeat against Newcastle was the, was possibly the worst performance we'd seen. Mm. For months, um, but we can caveat that with saying, you know, Newcastle were a team in a bit of form, and we were away from home. Yeah, this one, I'm struggling to find any excuse for that level of performance uh, against a team that aren't in form um, mm. uh, and are and are probably in a in, in a relegation scrap than than Newcastle are. So, dissect this one for me, Frankie. Uh, what did you make of it?
1: Well, if you haven't won since November and it's going into late February, and you haven't scored in about fourteen years, Aston Villa will happily let you enter Villa Park and you know, grab a goal if you need one. Oh, I mean, oh, can we talk more about Terminator uh, <laughs> Simpsons like last time? Uh, now, nah, look, um, Villa had twenty shots, one on target. Watford had eight, four on target. Villa had sixty percent possession. Offered had 40% possession. We had 546 passes. They had 380. So the glaring statistic there is 20 shots, one on target. First half, there were moments where I thought, okay, it, we're getting into the final third. We're largely dominant. I think a goal will come. Chances will happen. But they kind of didn't. But for Danny Ings's shot against the post, which probably would have been a VAR offside anyway. Mm. and then second half started I thought on top largely stronger than Watford who are a terrible team there's a reason in the bottom three and I thought they were well they were disciplined today they did their job yeah. they knew what they were doing but they're a poor side to be honest uh, uh, the substitutions what did it for me I think that bringing Watkins on and putting the two up front together in Ings and Watkins they haven't worked all season it didn't work again today bringing Louise off and putting, I think it was McGinn into that role, went into a bit of a diamond shape. It didn't work. I thought we just gave the impetus completely to Watford in the sense they weren't suddenly completely on top, but whenever they broke, you know, they got the one, the ball back from us in a very compact midfield. Whenever they did that, they managed to break down the pitch. Um, they looked more dangerous. They suddenly had more chances and the, you know, they had a big chance in the first half when Emmanuel Dennis got free and probably should have scored, to be honest, from Nishmay Lassar's ball to him. Yeah. But second half, uh, we, yeah, you know, we just, uh, they had more chances on the break when uh, we made that substitution and seemed to change our shape a bit. So, to be honest, I think the subs didn't work. So, you know, that that to me was at the primary issue. And I think if we kept our shape, I'm not saying we'd have gone on and won because, you know, God almighty, we just weren't. Never really felt like we were creating chances, to be honest, but I think we would have had a better chance of winning. What do you think? Well, to me, it felt like
0: one team was well drilled and knew their uh, roles, responsibilities, um, and the other team weren't. Yeah. Clearly, Hodgson has done his homework on us and is aware how, uh, how we sort of throw caution to the wind with our fullbacks. Uh and and they 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 counterattacked to perfection. You know, Sarr was a real thorn in our side. I thought he he played really well. Dennis as well, obviously he got the goal, but he was he was a problem for us. And if it weren't for Ebi Martinez, we could have easily lost that game 3-0, easily. Yeah. You know, they had the clear-cut chances. Um, they looked most likely to uh score more. And as you say, Frankie, you know, 20 shots, one on target. I mean, that's that's that is pretty pitiful stuff. Pretty damning. For, for, and I barely for, for remember team, any of those shots. I barely no, remember any um, of them. F- oh, For yeah. a team like us, you know, in quotation marks, blessed with the talents of Coutinho and Ramsey and Wendia and Ings and Watkins and Bailey and probably everyone else, you, you know, it's 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 it is, a, it is quite a damning statistic. Um, and you're right, you know, with the substitutions. Um, it, it just it it left us looking completely shapeless. I said yeah, to you before we started recording, really it it looked it looked like a, a sort of a Sunday league performance where, you know, you had or or, or or a football match in a primary school where we essentially had three defenders and everybody else was kind of up front scrambling for a goal. There yeah. was no kind of cohesion, and I understand. You know, we we brought you know th- three of those players we've only brought in in the last few weeks in Chambers. Dinho and Coutinho. Um, But that's, you know, that's no excuse for, for the level of kind of miscommunication that seemed to be there. I, 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 there was a moment where uh, in the second half, when um, Buendia was sort of screaming for the ball. Um, I mean, he had a poor game by, by his kind of recent standards. There was another moment where I think Chambers and Coutinho ran into each other or it was Chambers and somebody else ran into each other. Just like, what I was watching it thinking, what is happening here? Is this sort of, Amateurish stuff, and you could tell. Obviously, the frustration was building uh, inside Villa Park because you know we we are we are an expectant fan base. And but to be fair, you know, given given how we performed against Newcastle, we were at home against a team, as I said, really s- s- sort of scrabbling against relegation. And and I, I ultimately think I don't think they will stay up. I think they will go down. Um, it's
1: it, it, it's we're giving it's, them a good chance of staying up by giving them six points this season. <laughs> Well,
0: you know, I did. I did say in the last show that you know Watford seemed to be a bit of a bogey team for us. Um, you know, relatively recent results aside, as you say, we did. We did. Uh, we did lose um, the game, uh, first game of the season at Vicarage Road. So, yeah, it's it's just a really demoralising defeat. And uh, and again, I said after the Newcastle result, I can under, I can understand if if we if we created chances and if we looked threatening you can kind of understand it. I mean, it wouldn't be great. And we'd probably criticize the team for not being able to be more clinical, but, but you can kind of understand it, but not being able to create one real clear cut chance bar the Danny Ings post uh, incident. It's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. And again, you know, there's more questions about this team than answers now. And, and, and and Gerard, you know, he's been in the job for a few weeks. He's months. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's, he's, um, in the in the time we had off that sort of break we had between games, um you know he said we we were going to basically go on this sort of mini preseason season those are his words to get us keep us sharp. Um, and uh, yeah, we looked we looked completely off the pace again. Um, and sort of like where do where do we go from here? You know, he also said as well, Frankie, that he was going to make changes from the Newcastle team. and aside yeah. from ings and was it? Was it? And one other change he made. Just things.
1: Ings was the only change. Just
0: things. It was just things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's that all about? I, everyone was thinking. You know, I appreciate you don't want to disrupt the team too much. I guess, but yeah. after that, after that result against Newcastle, I was thinking at least make three or four. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, what, what, what does Morgan Sanson have to do to get a game? Yeah. Um, you know, Chuck Remaker is 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 crying out for a start. Um, okay, he, he swapped he swapped Ings around for Watkins around for Ings, and and you know Ings had his chances, and perhaps should have been more clinical. Um, you know, after the post uh, incident, he just disappeared. He just you know there was there was nothing else that he offered after that. Um, so I thought, it's to,
1: to be, I mean to be honest, I thought Ings actually looked quite sharp, particularly in the first half. I thought there were moments where him and Wendy looked like they could form a potentially decent relationship, uh, as if they'd swiped right together on Tinder, and it was like oh that's a decent match. <laughs> Uh, at least go on a date together, but uh, I don't know. They they just um, as I say, I thought I thought Ings was actually doing okay, and then the substitution happened with and then putting Watkins and Ings together, and it just didn't work. Like that, mm. I think that, that's the crux of the matter to me. I think, um, and also you know you look at shape. We talk about uh, the wing. You know, we, we're putting a lot of pressure on Digne and Cash to do stuff out on the yeah. on, out wide, right? Because at the moment. Watford and Newcastle have both just packed the midfield. Yeah. And Coutinho and Wendy are getting trapped in there. So we're pushing it out wide. And Cash, to be fair to him, it's a tough ask of him. He doesn't beat his man particularly well. That's just not his game. Tricky Traore, Bertrand Traore would do that. Mm. But Cash, it's, it's a struggle. And, you know, Cash, last season, when I think of him, I think of him building a relationship with Traore down the right-hand side. Um, I think a target last season building a relationship with Grealish down the left hand side. And at the moment, by and Cash, there's not really anyone they're having a relationship with. Mm. Uh, you know, they've been friend zoned by somebody. They're both adapting to quite demanding roles, to be honest. And the thing is, when they're that far forward and there's that much attacking impetus on both of them, mm. they're getting caught on the break behind us. So, you know, it was a problem for Liverpool last season as well. I like Trent had a dip in form, if you remember, when he was dropped from England, kind of at the start of the season when we beat them 7-2. Um, I'd actually go, if I was Terminator, I'd go back in time to that and re-watch that, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Just to them. It was like um, a long time ago now, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're getting caught constantly with all those acres and acres of space that players are able to run into. To be fair, so, so obviously today, Saar and Dennis made the most of that. It was always the danger that was going to happen. We were always likely to have most of the possession, always likely to be shooting from distance and hoping for a bit of luck that the ball bobbles in or whatever, or we just get a crossing that lands on Ings' is heading scores. And we were always likely to think, all right, at some point they're going to get through on the break and the counter. Hopefully, we can handle it. Fortunately, the goal. Sa Digne stood off Sa for a little too long for my liking, uh, and Ashley Young just got you know, the back post by Dennis. It was Dennis, Ashley Young's not a defender. Um So, uh yeah, um, a lot, a lot of issues then, uh, you know, shape wise, uh, I, I think we do miss Nakamba. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's night and day since when he was playing with us. I'm not saying we'd suddenly have won every single game if he was there. You know, I'm not saying we'd have beaten you know Watford today five nil or whatever, but there's definitely a before and after. Like when the meteorite hit the dinosaurs, there's a before and after, you know. Like, but, but, like,
0: yeah, but like this this uh, so this example for me was a was a classic example of of why we miss him. It was when Luis was outside Watford's box and lost the ball, and Watford broke and almost scored. That was when Sissoko should have squared it to Dennis. Do you remember? And he had that shot, which sort of went, hit the side netting, but Watford should have scored that. And that was because Luis lost the ball himself outside Watford's penalty area. I'm thinking, what defensive midfielder would be that far forward? It, 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 was, it was just, it was so frustrating. And, you know, we talk about like, again, this idea about cohesion and everybody kind of knowing their roles, you know, like a bit of a bit of an orchestra. But at the moment, we're kind of like all strings and no brass. You know what I mean? Like, like, like. There's, 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 there's not that balance. We don't have that balance in the team anymore. Um, and I, and I think obviously, as you say, since we lost in Canberra, obviously results have been patchy. But in recent weeks, they've they've just plummeted. And, and now that's two games as well that we haven't scored in, um, which is a bit of a worry, considering again all the attacking potential that we always go on about. So it's um...
1: the, the thing is like you know, Buendia and Coutinho do, do have similar thinking, similar roles. I've said before, I think it can work with the two of them together, but at the moment, when you're looking at our front three, there's not a lot of um, pace, power, or movement, is there? Like there's. Villa look a bit lightweight, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, we only, and we said we've said this before, like, you know, we are lightweight. I mean, you're coming up up against, you know, Lusa, uh, Sissoko, Saar, even, evenly, you know, cleverly in that in that uh, Watford midfield, you know, King and Dennis, even with them dropping back, they're they you know, they're big physical players. And by comparison, you know, we've got Buen Diaz, what, five foot eight? Coutinho is very lightweight, and Ramsey, <laughs> all of them, are the same sort of body shape. It's it's like you know you're asking you're asking these sort of like almost like boy like players to go up against physical I mean, units.
1: The thing is that I mean that works. I mean like you know look at Barcelona in the, the golden era, Xavi <laughs> <Iniesta laughs> or <all> that. foot. <laughs> you know, we're not. We're, yeah, not we're not Barcelona that. yet, are we? No, um, but I but I think you know when you when Villa get a corner and you look in that box, you're like. There's, there's Tyrone Mings and then there's Callum Chambers. Like uh, who else? Yeah, uh, you know it's not. It's difficult for Villa to physically impose themselves on a game. I honestly think Nakamba's loss is is quite significant. I think that has affected our midfield quite badly because I just don't think Douglas Luiz can fulfil that role as well as Nakamba can. Y- you're just asking a player to play out of position. You know, that Louise is a player who's more progressive, who, who can play slightly further forward from uh where Nakamba should be sitting. So I think it's been a bugbear for us for a long time, the CDM thing. Uh I think it has made a difference. Uh we just don't look physically as imposing in that centre mid since you know, when when Gerard came in at the start, we beat Leicester City. I thought we put in a good performance, particularly second half. But it's since the Chelsea game, I think, when we lost at Villa Park. We just haven't. It hasn't quite looked right, really. And I think, mm-hmm. is it a case that Villa needs to go back to basics? You know, just sit sit a bit. Have the have your fullbacks just sit a bit more and not allow ourselves to get as exposed. And maybe it is um, because at the moment we, it's not going right. And you know, look. Obviously, when a new manager comes in, they want their own system and their own style of play, and that often takes a long time to adapt to. And you know, when when Klopp went into Liverpool. Liverpool weren't actually very good for quite a long time, if you remember. Mm. For like about a year and a half, I remember Liverpool being very patchy. And he takes a bit of time to get his own players in, to to get the people in that can fulfil the the things he wants to do. So, of course, we have to be patient. But at the same time, looking at the position Villa are in and looking at where, you know, (laughs) I mean, looking over our shoulder suddenly a little bit, Mm. um, having lost the teams in the bottom three, and to Brentford recently, who are the worst team in the league, as far as I'm concerned, at this moment in time. Um, yeah, I think uh, it, it, back to basics. I think might be what we have to do. Mm.
0: We, we, you know, we, we are a work in progress, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be just outrageous and stay, you know, Steven Gerrard's out of his depth or whatever like he like he needs time as much as we need time to kind of like play the system that he wants us to play in and obviously he's inherited uh this team of players and um you know he's trying to make it work and i do wonder in the next game whether he might make a bit of a tactical switch or or he might he might just persist with it i don't know how flexible or inflexible he is as a as a as a manager so i guess we'll have to wait and see but you know we, we we just we just need a we just need an improvement, don't we? And, um, you know, we've got to try and take um, something into the game against um, Brighton um, and just see what comes of that,
1: really. Just sign the Terminator. If Arnold Schwarzenegger just turns up to body more eighth, just say, all right, go up front, mate. Just go up front. Can <laughs> you imagine him up front? It'd be absolutely target, man. absurd. He'd hold the ball up well. Unbelievable. Uh, well, the ball would probably bounce off him about fifty yards because he'd be his chest to be so <laughs> so buff and all that. But my goodness, stick just yeah, just get just get the Terminator, sign him up. That's the, that's what I'm resorting to at the moment. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Now it is time for this.
1: As the greatest band of all time once said, spice up your life every boy and every girl. And that's what we aim to do right here in the Spicy Question. It's in this section where we cover the controversial topics and get the creative juices flowing. Today, George, I'm asking you, what is your favorite Spice Girl? No, no. (laughs) What is the best live game you've ever been to see and Aston Villa. Because come on, we got to raise the mood here after that performance. We got to talk about some good times at least.
0: Oh, I, th- I think it probably have to be the time we lost 1-0 to Tony Pulis's uh, Crystal Palace. Dwight Gale scoring, scoring in the 95th minute. Uh that was a, that was a great game. Uh oh, oh God, there's been there's been so, there has been quite a few to be honest, Frankie. We have been blessed. Let's be let's as you say, let's raise the mood here. Let's cast our minds back to some some amazing, uh, amazing results and games that we've seen at Villa Park. I would say uh, one what I mean, one game really does stand out for me. I've seen a few. So we we so we went together to see us wallop Paolo Canio's Sunderland. Oh was yeah. Six six-nil.
1: Yeah.
0: Um Benteke on absolute fire, Ron Vla scoring a, yeah. a brilliant goal actually for a centre back. He was about 30 yards out. When he scored his goal. Um, talk, talk
1: Sports Zone, Gabio Lahore. Yeah, so he, well, he just sort of ran around Minulae, didn't he? And just Yeah, him. yeah. Hat trick for Benteke. Cool. Hat trick yeah. for Benteke. Six, six ruined a whole end. Was six it six one? one. That was it.
0: That was six one. Yeah, because Danny Rose scored for Sunderland, didn't he? Crazy. Um, yeah, that was a good game. That was mad. Yeah, but the, I think the best game for me was we beat. It was the league cup semi final uh and we beat blackburn rovers at villa park i believe oh, were you at that I, I wasn't at that yeah it was yeah it was it was it what was game. just a, an a, an insane insane game and 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 to be fair like it was it was a really good atmosphere it was um 6-4 yeah and uh and and it was just So we, so obviously it was over two legs and, and we had won, I think we'd won the first leg at Ewood Park, 1-0. So we came into it as obviously favourites playing at home. And, you know, the club had put out these flags and everything and Mm. atmosphere was amazing. So this was, this was, when was this? This was 2010, I think. Um, God, is it
1: that long ago?
0: 2010, yeah. (laughs) 2010. I remember Ashley Young playing, yeah. Yeah, well, Ashley Young was yeah that was that was sort of this peak for us really oh, Ashley Young, yeah. um, and then um, we went two nil down. Nikola Kalinic scored twice, and, and and I think the stadium was just like stunned because yeah. you know we'd start, we start he started the game so badly and and um, yeah it was it was uh, it was it was that it was like oh god here we go what's going to happen here, and I think then we got a penalty. Um, Chris Samba was red carded then and and then and we scored that we thought okay here rightly we go so. rightly, rightly so. so rightly so and then I think we went Villa legend Chris we, Samba yeah.
1: best striker we've ever had yeah <laughs> played up front for some reason
0: was like, well yeah again we could probably do with him now bit of physicality Um, and then yeah, then gabi Bonghal scored and Emil Heskey, but then they came back to it. Like Olson scored this very yeah, great goal. Yeah. Emerton scored Brett. Brett Emerton? Yeah, and then Ashley Young. It was it was just like all all over the it was all over the place. I couldn't I, I, even now I can't keep up to date with like the, the scorers in what order or or what, but it was just. Yeah romantic stuff and like the atmosphere inside the park was was as i say it was in it was incredible and, and then obviously we reached a league cup final off the off the back of that so yeah. you know um unfortunately that final was when vidic should have been sent off inside the first couple of minutes Do you remember that on his tackle on and the referee did,
1: didn't the referee say he didn't want to ruin the final yeah that? yeah that was the excuse Unbelievable. it was just insane yeah that's right because right.
0: he said, he said, he, he, it was inside the first couple of minutes wasn't it and he was like yeah. well like you know i didn't want to I not want to ruin ruin the atmosphere by getting someone sent off inside the first. It's just Unreal. Bit like ridiculous. Reason.
1: Unreal. Oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: Top team bias right there. But um. But yeah. But that semi final was just brilliant. And you know what? What a team we had as well. You know, Milner and uh, yeah, Ashley Young, uh, hey Gabby, gear, in Ashley. His, Gabby in his pomp. Um, <laughs> Gabby and his pomp just running and really it, fast and it was yeah. when it was when Guzan yeah it was when Guzan was like our League Cup hero like he would just play Cup games and he was like amazing like he he he'd, he'd Sunderland he'd penalty pe- shootout penalty out. Suit out. Yeah. yeah he was brilliant I think Downing played Petrov Love yeah fun. that was Love that fun. was that was a yeah that was a
1: that was a really really good kind of entertaining crazy stupid game but what, that was I, ama- I think that will stand out for me what an amazing and unique game to have been to 6-4 it's one of them that I look back on and I'm like oh I can't believe I didn't. Go yeah, to that. it was one, It was one of
0: the. Yeah, it was one of those things where, like, um, if you didn't follow the result and you and you sort of went online afterwards just to find out what happened, yeah. you'd be like refreshing the page, thinking like, "What?"
1: It's, I, just, it's huge regret, not going to do That I did. I mean, if I for me, it's probably the ninety-four Coca-Cola Cup final uh, where we beat uh, Man United three-one. Yeah, I was so young, of course, and um it just i don't know like the fact that we've only won one trophy since in 96 mm. just 2 years later it's got it takes on even extra meaning now i guess like cause it really yeah, was yeah. a significant moment as a as a fan to have mm. witnessed that live at the old wembley um i remember the i remember the scoreboards that had like black and yellow text yeah yellow. that's it, right, like yeah. flashing Yeah. score yeah and um, it was just uh, Ah, oh, just that feeling of um
0: again what what what
1: team it was a, yeah. it was a really great team that team daly and atkinson and saunders, saunders all that yeah. and like and at the time like man united felt invincible they felt like you were playing like just a, a team that you were like that You're just not gonna you're not gonna it's like you know wrestling the rock back in the day you're not gonna mm. beat the rock you know <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah it was like that and uh to beat them 3-1, like really comprehensively, was just after the Tranmere semi-final as well, where we'd come back, it was just incredible. But I guess the Villa Park, I mean, I went to the 3-1 against Man United as well in uh, 95, the last time we beat them at home. They never would win anything with kids match, which always sticks out in my memory. Been to loads of great games, like the 6-1 that you mentioned as well. But one that sticks out to me always is 98 when we beat Arsenal, and it was oh,
0: just the deal in Dublin hat trick, was it?
1: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was, well, I think I think Dublin got two and Joachim got one. Ah, and right, okay. uh, they were 2 0 up at half time. Came back in the second half of 1 3 2. And at the time, Arsenal were really on the up. And mm. um, I'm not sure if they, were, they might have won the league, league that year. I might be getting the year wrong, whether it was 98 or 99. Either way, um, Arsenal had Nicholas and Elkor up front, Bergkamp over Mars. Mm. Just seemed again a very tough team to beat, and uh, coming back in the second half and just trouncing them like we did, it was in front of the whole center, it was absolutely amazing. And one of the memories I have of that game as well is um, the parachutist dressed as Santa Claus, who was coming down for a half time show. And he, as he was coming down, he, he hit the top of the Trinity Road stand and fell to the ground. And that witnessed that, you know what is it 42 3000 people witnessed mm. that happen and uh you know it was a really uh, shocking moment um re- really shocking just to think back on on the, uh, that was is a thing that, that we all saw live and thankfully he survived um and i think he ended up marrying the nurse who cared for him as well uh, wow so quite a story there yeah um but it was uh just you know aside from obviously that Terrible, terrible incident. Um, as, as a game, you know, second half, it was just a, a remarkable thing to witness, really. And we didn't beat Arsenal again until Trezeguet's uh, goal at the end of the season two years ago. And uh, mm. we won 1-0 and uh, kept us up. What was the worst Villa game you've seen? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wigan. 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 Wigan, <laughs> yeah, Wigan 3-0. That, that yeah. was... Wow. So basically, like it was in the Lambert year. I think it was like 2013. Yeah. I don't know, I'm going to let you mind now what year it was. But yeah, uh, we just lost 8-0 to Chelsea. Three days later, we lost 4-0 at home to Tottenham. And mm. then off the back of those two results, we then had Wigan, who were in the bottom three. And we were just outside in the Lambert era. And I remember we started with kind of a back three. I think we were sort of playing three-five-two. Uh, it hasn't really worked well for us that formation. Uh, I think we had Chris Hurd in the back three. Mm. Australia's finest and Ah uh, uh, goodness me! They scored within five minutes, and I remember the whole of Villa Park just just uh, it, it. It's so it was a really rare feeling of like it was like almost everyone knew yeah. Now after those two results we just had. This mm. And when they went three 0 up in the second half, I remember thinking, like, I looked at my friend who I was with, and I said, "This is it, like, we're going down." And at that point, getting relegated for me because I'd never seen it happen with Villa was just beyond comprehension. It was like within three or four years of like pushing for the Champions League, we were back. We were like, looked like the worst team in the world. Like mm-hmm. we were so bad. Um, so yeah, that I mean, as bad as it's been at times you know in, in well this season, I guess there has been a few poor results, but goodness me like that was a that was a low point that three 0
0: yeah that how was about bad. you have you had any oh i I know exactly what game it was um Alex McLeish was in charge, and we lost at home, coming towards the end of the season, two one to Bolton Wanderers. Yes.
1: Do you remember that? I thought we were going down as well. After yeah. That one. yeah. After, I,
0: I saw that live and the atmosphere in Villa Park was toxic. Really, it was yeah. awful. Yeah, it was, it was, and, and, and Bolton, I think were, I think Bolton were bottom of the league and we were maybe only a couple of points off. And to be fair, I think, you know, we, we I think we took the lead early um, and then, uh, and then, they equalized almost straight away. Mm. Um I think it got a penalty and then like almost as soon as they scored the penalty they scored their second and it was like it was just unbelievable and then a, yeah. I think it was the nature of their two goals becoming so quickly and oh, turning well, yeah. the game around that that really kind of the atmosphere there was 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 pretty toxic. It it wasn't an atmosphere I I sort of sensed until the the season we got relegated, I think. Yeah. Um and I think ultimately that was the game that cost his job. But even though ultimately he kept us up, I think that was when the I think that was when Randy Lerner, you yeah, whoever was whoever was sort of Randy. running the club at the time. I don't know if Randy was even that he invested. Oh, he time. was. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, you know, he, he, he that was probably when they would have said, yeah, it, it was it, that, that was era. Going.
1: That era was like that year was like being in like a dystopian reality where. <laughs> Fans paid to go and watch nil-nil draws. Like, it was mm. like we, we would celebrate at the end, like, as if, like, going crazy that the game had ended nil-nil. And just yeah. watching balls pump forward from the sure foot of Alan Hutton up to nowhere, just <laughs> aimless directionless down the wing. Like, goodness me, reliving those years. Like, just sort of... The build-up to the relegation season, like, was as bad as the relegation season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because you, just... you just knew,
0: you just knew it was coming. That's the thing, and and that, that's probably what made the relegation itself not actually that difficult to take. I remember, I, I think I saw you. I came down to see you in London um, the day we were relegated. We lost to United, um, and and um, I remember not actually feeling that bothered. I know obviously the nature of that season as well. We were down. We knew we were getting we were getting relegated in bloody you know. February, January. Yeah. Um, but 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 it was the it was the previous seasons all leading up to that, which made me kind of probably process it in my head a bit more that yeah. I knew it was happening. Yeah. Um and 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 that game against Bolton was was one of those moments where I was like, yeah, we're um we're we
1: really are on a slippery slope here. Yeah. Um so yeah, that was the worst game for me. And then we ended that season by drawing nil-nil with West Brom away, one-one with Tottenham at home, and those two points. Just about kept us up, uh, yeah. and we ended the season losing 2 0 at Norwich. Brilliant, yes, I remember that just yeah. brilliant, yeah, because it was,
0: wasn't it? That was Paul Lambert's Norwich, wasn't it? And then ultimately, we hired Lambert as manager.
1: Do you know, I can barely remember now, I think it might have been, yeah, yeah, it was. So, there we are, <laughs> potted history. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, on, so... back, back back to today, what for 1 0 <laughs> at home, uh actually yeah that is yeah that
0: is that is probably the worst game uh, i've seen um no yeah it's um uh, it's it just goes to show like it has been it has been worse in in yeah. not too not too distant uh in memories so um oh crikey onwards and upwards <laughs> that, was, that was supposed to be a fun feature <laughs> how, do we, how do we turn it around like that
1: That was the spicy question. And if you have a favourite Villa game that you've ever attended, you can let us know by emailing us at allvillanofilla at gmail.com or you can get in touch on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.
0: OK, let's look ahead to Villa's next game now. It's Brighton away on Saturday We thought there'd be big changes for today's game against Watford, but do you think now there will be big alterations for that game against Brighton, Frankie?
1: Well, I always said I wanted Graham Potter as manager. Uh... (laughs) That would be a big change. (laughs) Uh, Obviously not. I'm not calling for that. Um, How did Brighton get on today, by the way? Lost 3-0 to Burnley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I always said I wanted Roberto Mancini as manager. (laughs) Um, of uh, look, um, yeah, the, the three 0 to Burnley. Um, wow, where did that come from? Um, their results haven't been too bad recently. They lost two nil to United. Um, but I'm not necessarily sure why they had such a collapse against Burnley at home. So the fact that we're playing them at their place, uh, should give you some hope, maybe. Mm. The fact is, the way we're playing at the moment. I have a feeling that if they go with a 3-5-2, Cucurella and Tarek Lamptey will have the freedom of the Amex Stadium. Mm. If our fullbacks are pushing forward, obviously that will be a serious threat to us. They always seem to give us problems, Brighton. Um, but I think Gerard's first game was 2-0 against Brighton. There's that we have beaten them under Gerard before, but yeah, whether there's changes to go back to your question. I mean, Sanson, I mean, what, as you said earlier, I mean, what more does he have to do to get a game? I, I, I don't know, really. But we just, we don't have a natural number six. And it's just a, it's a proving a serious issue at the moment now, I think. And uh, I thought Ollie Watkins for Wings was the most obvious decision to change things up. Consul will likely come back into the team for Callum Chambers. So will Callum Chambers push slightly forward and play at CDM? That could mm. be an interesting one to look at. Would it yeah. give therefore Douglas Aweeds a bit of a chance to push a bit further forward and maybe McGinn gets dropped? Because I'll be yeah. honest with you, I didn't think McGinn was great today. Well, 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 again, that's another game. That's
0: three games on the bounce now that McGinn hasn't has really underperformed, I think.
1: Yeah. So, so and, um, and,
0: and and how long, you know, we I mean, I we do I love McGinn. I do love him, but um no no football player should be infallible. Do you know what I mean? And and if and if somebody's not in form then changes need to be made. I'm not saying that, you you know, he should be banished or anything, but, but you know, maybe take him outside for a game.
1: I say banish him. Let, let him. Get rid. <laughs> Let's make him train with the under-23s. On the squad. Under, yeah, the bomb squad. <laughs> can you imagine that just brought all, all put all our good players in the bombs? Emmy Martinez. <laughs> him
0: him and Zogbier and Hutton just hanging out
1: here. <laughs> They're still there somewhere yeah. <laughs> on a faraway pitch at the other end of Body More <laughs> One can see if you get your binoculars out. Charlene <laughs> and Zogbier, Alan Hutton just hitting the ball back and forth to each other. <laughs> Will there be a significant changes? Uh look, uh, as you say, Sanson. Uh, <laughs> Surely deserves a game at some point. If today wasn't the day, then, well, I don't know when it is. But, mm. you know, uh, if our midfield uh, is, you know, emptied largely with McGinn coming wide and Ramsey having to come wide to cover the two fullbacks pushing further forward, well, then I think Brighton are just going to outplay us in the middle easily. And I think their two fullbacks will just have a field day with all the space they'll get. And then whether it's whether more pay or uh, Wellbeck are uh, clinical enough to take the chances they'll likely get. Um, so if I was if I was Stevie G, um, rather than a person hosting a podcast that only my mom and dad are going to listen to after the, the <laughs> game, even they probably won't listen. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. If you're listening. Well, uh, if, I was, if I was him, I'd probably just try and do a bit of a back-to-basic approach and say, tell the four-backs to sit back and let the midfield and front three sort it out themselves. Mm. Uh, if Traore's fit, would I be tempted to bring him in for Buendir and maybe add a little bit of width and something slightly different? Possibly, yeah. Uh, give Cash something to work with on the right so that it takes mm. the attacking him just off Cash. Um, and then become a little bit more compact in the middle. Um, so we're not covering the full backs being far forwards, so that we can just rely on a flat back four that's just gonna do the job for us. That's possibly what I think I would do, to be honest, but I'm not one of the 25 coaches Villa have. So uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, what what would you do in this situation? Well, it's
0: it's it's a difficult one with 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 that, because you know, I imagine one of the reasons why Dinia joined us was because we um we probably told him that we would play him as a very attacking minded fullback, which is what he kind of was doing at Everton before Benitez joined. Um and that's kind of what he wants to do. So then within weeks to go back to kind of a flat back forward he's being told to defend more. Um that's probably not gonna make him particularly pleased. Um uh oh, i don't know we've got to we've got
1: to do what we've got to do we've got to work with the strength no i listen I, I
0: i i agree i agree um and um and maybe a back-to-basics approach is is important as i said it'll be interesting to know just how flexible gerard is um if he if you know if he sticks with the same team again more or less and plays the same way
1: then you
0: know questions will start to to arise, weren't they?
1: You well, know, he, he, he said in his post-match interview that he spoke. He had hard truths with the players, or whatever. But it, that cuts both ways. You know, mm-hmm. the players, after themselves, say, you know, they have to look at Gerald and, and say, "Well, like, look, 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 mate, like look, this, this isn't quite working. This, like, m- maybe this approach might work better for for, for us." Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes it's a case you do have to listen to the players sometimes, and as happened when Steve, when. You now Dean Smith changed it up in the uh, uh, the season. We nearly went down. Mm-hmm. The back to basics approach kind of just saw us through for the rest of that season. And I do wonder if that's maybe what just what we need to do at the moment. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think it could be right.
0: I mean, I wonder if whether Gerard is looking at it and thinking, you know, okay, we, as you said earlier, we are looking over our shoulder, but realistically, we're now, you know, coming up to the end of February. I mean, there's a lot of football to be played, obviously, but you wouldn't think it would be dragged into that So It's whether it's whether he does decide to make the changes, just get to get through to the end of the season, or whether he is so fixated on just making sure that drilling the players in the formation that he likes and just playing it relentlessly until they know exactly what they're doing. And yeah, we're going to take some defeats along the way, but ultimately this is the team that he, this is the formation that he plays. This is the tactic that he plays. And uh, in the summer, he will have a much clearer idea of who he wants to get rid of and who he wants to bring in that can play in that, in that system. But does, we it, said, but does it work with the players he
1: currently has is the key issue? Well,
0: well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing at the moment. No. Um, you know, Rangers, he had... We, we talk about that kind of defence midfielder again. It's almost hate to talk uh, about that. Yeah. But, you know, a, a Rangers, when he played it, he had Camera playing there who was that very physical... Player that obviously was he, lacking. He's
1: also playing player. teams that are going dif- to just sit back against Rangers. Rangers are, Rangers are basically one of the top two teams in that league. Of so course, it's, of course a it's, a, it's a
0: different, it's a different mentality, absolutely, and different expectations and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, he has to adjust to all that for sure. Um, but you know, I would be intrigued to see Chambers play there because of purely for his physicality, he's a different type of midfielder. I know that's not really his natural position. But, you know, when concerts back, I'd, I'd, I'd personally, I'd, I'd want to see Chambers play there.
1: Um, so, honestly, well, he wouldn't play the season playing CDM for Fulham yeah, ex- in the exactly, exactly. Premier League. They did get relegated, but they were terrible. They were <laughs> terrible.
0: But as you say, he's played there and he's been lauded for playing there. And he's something different, as I say, he's something different to, to the midfielders we have. He He's defensively minded and he'll sit there and he'll do the basics and he's physical and strong. And, mm. um, hopefully he could offer that that support i mean whether gerard i'm sure Stephen gerard listens to this podcast and takes everything that we say oh absolutely completely serious he's taken his note he's got his notepad out he's been writing down the various all things of we them. Said. all the, all the coaches
1: he, are sat there together with a phone in the middle of yeah. the ball right now he's he's, he's been on
0: youtube he's watched villa beat uh, blackburn four after after my description of it um you yeah. know he's loving that all taking um, notes yeah, yeah, yeah. They all—they're all taking notes to what we're saying. So, so you know, they'll so hopefully you know Chambers will be in there. Um, but yeah, that would that would be the change I would make for the Brighton game. Um, yeah, Chambers. Actually, I, con, I would think... con, back from suspension, is he? For, for, for yes, price. he is. Yeah. Right. So, so there we are. So concert would come back in, and for me, um, Chambers would 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 sit in that in that CDM role. And then the only other question again is is do, would you go with Ings or Watkins up front?
1: Do you know what I? I thought, in fairness to both of them, I thought Watkins looked like he was he was quite sharp, actually, but he was just in a position where it didn't suit him. Mm. Um, and Ings, I thought, actually looked pretty decent. Um, he was at it. And then the substitution happened when Watkins came on and the two of them just, there's just no chemistry there, really, is there? I mean, it's gone on long enough. So I think, yeah, do you know what? I probably would stick with things just by the way he played today. I thought he showed signs that he, that he can get goals mm. if the right balls plays him. Um, but uh, I'm sort of in agreement with you. I think it might be worth just giving Douglas Lewis a, a day out, um, you know, on Brighton Pier or whatever. And just, <laughs> uh, uh, look, I really like, Ray Douglas Lewis. I think he's actually a really good player. But he, as we've said a zillion times before, he's not a natural number six and I think that perhaps is Callum Chambers a more natural number six? He has played there before. He's done well there before. Maybe it's worth just giving it a go. Maybe it's worth just telling the backs to hold back a little bit and just let the midfield and the forwards sort it out amongst themselves. Um, and perhaps, like I said earlier, if Traore is fit, does he come in for Buendia? I do like Buendia a lot, a rating, but I also think would it, it might be worth trying to get a little bit more width than we're showing at the moment. And a bit of a something built with cash down the right because at the moment that's just not working for me. Mm. Um but that's just my opinion. That's just my I'm like Bruno Tanioli and strictly come dancing just holding up my numbers and all that sort of stuff so you know no one needs to pay attention to me but you know yeah that's just what I think.
0: What number would be would you be holding up for that performance today? Um
1: a 9 I just do it. I'd be, I'd be absolutely <laughs> shamelessly by All the judges beside me giving Villa like a zero, and I'm just like nine. <laughs> Ever like absolute Twitter ablaze with rage at how biased I am, and I'd be like, "Damn right, I'm biased." Like Villa get if, all the good if, points. If
0: if Villa were a strictly come dancing contestant, they'd be Ed Balls, <laughs>
1: <laughs> John Sargent. <laughs> yeah. Well, t- after today, there'd be embers. All John Sargent. not uh, <laughs> not traditionally. Normally, where the where the grooviest dancers going? You know, groovy. <laughs> that sounds like such a midlife crisis thing to say. That it groovy. <laughs> it does uh, a bit. Like it's just like I've, I saw Austin Powers in the nineties, and I've not grown out of it. I'm like, just like groovy, baby. <laughs> Absolute middle. I'll have like blonde highlights in my hair next. Just, uh, oh, yeah, I think I think that'd be a good look for you, Frankie. Random earring. Um, just I've got a load of tattoos just in my midlife crisis age host, <laughs> right started a podcast it's a sign
0: well this is exactly yeah, this, the, yeah the podcast is the start of it all Tat- tattoos to follow it's a slippery slope okay thank you everybody for listening I've been your host George Alinsky see you later Frankie catching a bit George at the villa up the villa please up the villa and goodbye from me we'll be back to review that Brighton game but until then come on super aston villa